Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're going to disagree with some people way more famous than us. Everybody is way more famous than we are, Rick. That's true. That's true. So are they going to hear this? I doubt it. They're way more famous than us. <laughs> they got better things to do. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're disagreeing with a couple names in the wine world. Gary Vaynerchuk is one of them who say you can embarrass yourself, that's with a quote, talking about wine, or quote, be a chump in a wine shop. We don't think that's true. A listener on the other hand asks, simply enough, how do you not be overwhelmed by wine in a store? And as usual, we will make fun of wine stops if we've not already. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're going to embarrass ourselves by telling you how you don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself talking about wine. Right. Just be like us and embarrass yourself in general. It's how we are. <laughs> it's much simpler that way anyway. All right, let's explain this. There's a website called Thrillist. It's mm -hmm. a pretty big deal. They uh, they're, they call themselves a leading digital men's lifestyle website. They are they aim aim a little young. They aim a little brassy. They're you know a little um, a little snippy so to speak. Um, but they would ran you a say they were a little snobby? Uh, well, I would I wouldn't say snobby is the word so much as as it's that TMZ thing. There's just a little bit of snark in everything, yeah. which is you know I would argue not a good thing in society. But what do I know? I'm an old guy. Actually, I'm not that old. I just feel old sometimes. You're pretty old. Hey, hey. In any case, we're uh, we're actually talking about wine here. And so, what this story was, this was a, they had two stories. One was how to not embarrass yourself talking about wine, and the other was eleven things not to say in a wine shop. Right. And if you listen to us at any time, you know we disagree with that premise, don't we, Paul? We do because we think you, embarrassing yourself is part of learning. Yeah, and embarrass is implies that you've done something wrong. And if you know, it's not your job to have to be a wine expert. You're a customer. A customer's always right. Walk into a wine shop, ask the question you want, say what you want, and it's their job to figure out what they can sell you that you'll like. And in fact, we've said it's a pretty bad business model when somebody's trying to sell you something, but first you have to get an advanced degree to be able to buy it. Or they make you feel bad first right. because that's part of the sales process. All right. So this first list is about not embarrassing yourself in a wine shop, and it comes from wine shop owner and entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk. If anybody right. knows much about wine. They know, to his credit, he's one of the guys that, that really is, a, hey, enthusiasm, that's first. Wine's fun. Let's not be exclusive. Wine Library, he does a series of videos. Yes. They're funny. They're approachable. He's got the right attitude. So but may, may, then he became famous, and maybe he started to say, okay, now I can start setting my own rules. Well, and maybe we blame Thrillist for this, but nonetheless, we have more than a few quibbles with most of his points. Here's a few of them. His first point is, this is what you should not say in a wine shop. Right. And, oh, I, I need to read this, by the way. This is Thrillist's introduction, which is, says, contrary to popular belief, it's possible to love wine without learning a completely different language. That's good enough as far as it goes. Then Thrillist says, but that doesn't mean you should walk in your local wine shop sounding like a total chump. That makes us not happy. Right. Yes. And right. so we think there are total chumps for just bringing that up. However, yes. here's a few of the things that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says. The first point was, this is I'm quoting him now, you should not say, is this wine smooth? Smooth is not and never will be a real tasting note. It is, however, a type of criminal. 
And I'm going to argue that, in fact, smooth is if you were to pick 10 terms that the average consumer, five terms, two terms, that the average consumer might use to describe wine, smooth Smooth. is going to be one of those words. It's I like it smooth or I don't like it smooth. That's right. And if you like it smooth and you say that, a wine, a good wine salesperson will understand what that means and will be able to find you a wine you'll like. Dear God, when was it anybody's job to have a, quote, real tasting note? I mean, it is... Anyone who listens to this, first of all, you don't have to have any tasting note to describe wines. Right. That's a horrible, horrible thing. But but, but however you describe it so it makes sense to you is how you should describe it. Right. It's not, you know, it's... That's no. right. Yes. Yep. Good. Right. What's the next one? Well, we've handled that one. Ah, uh, we've handled that one. And then the one is, I don't like dry wines. In wine, dry is the opposite of sweet. Do you mean that you don't like tannic wines that dry out your mouth? Okay, so here's another really, really horrible thing, because that's probably the other word, word. that gets that's used. That's right. There's another word. Dry. Right. And so he doesn't want you to use the two words that most people would use. And on top of this, it is perfectly possible for someone to say and be accurate, I don't like dry wines. Right. They want sweet wines. Right. And here he says, dry is the opposite of sweet. Don't tell me that you don't like dry wines. Well, if I don't like dry wines, <laughs> the heck am I supposed to say, Gary? Right. And if if uh, the wine shop person is there doing their job and somebody says that— They will ask the next suss question. Suss it out, right. Does that mean are you talking about like red wines that you've had that have this sort of— or do you really mean that you like something a little bit sweet because we have— and Gary has a selection of wines that are not dry. They're for people who like wines that are not dry. In other words, they're for people who don't like dry wines, Gary. <laughs> yes. Do not mind if you don't like dry wines. That's right. So the next one isn't is same sort of the it's there's a snob factor to this one. The question you should never say is, doesn't the screw cap mean it's cheap? Gary's answer is no. No, it doesn't. Well, you can tell that from the price. I mean, there are screw cap wines that cost over $100 a bottle. So, okay, fair enough. What he's really saying is don't automatically assume that a screw cap means that it's a cheap wine. And fair enough, but where are they going to learn that, Gary, if they don't walk into your shop and ask a question? That's exactly right. No, no, it doesn't. Well, how are they supposed to know that if they don't ask somebody that? So what you're saying is they're supposed to already know before they come in. Right. Now, Uh, the next one I really like. Is this one only on display because you're trying to get rid of it? I don't even blah, blah, blah. So now he doesn't want to talk. We're trying to get rid of everything. That's what stores do. I think that's a great answer. And it really captures the essence of Gary Vaynerchuk, which is when people come in and say, are you trying to get rid of this wine? Yes, I'm trying to get rid of every wine in the store. That's my job. I'm here to sell wine. It's a wonderful encapsulation of Gary, and I love the point. Yeah, I kind of like it, too. On the other hand, if it is a good question, what they mean is, like, are you trying to dump it? And the answer is no. Here's one that goes back to the wine snob thing, though. Do you have, like... See, he throws the like in there to say that the person is not uh, not educated. Right. But So he says, do you have a $10 champagne? His answer, no, there's no such thing, but let's talk about Prosecco. Okay. Once again, how are they supposed to know? Right. Well, that's right. That's why because they asked. they're in a store. If they knew everything about wine, they wouldn't even bother to come in the store. They, they just order, order online. everything online <laughs> because they know exactly what they want. So they're there. They're looking for a little help. It's, I would argue, an opportunity. And and I think that there's a better answer. 
although I think Prosecco is the right answer, I think there's a better answer to no, there's no such thing. I think the answer is, you know, traditionally champagne and now legally can only be used to describe wines coming from that part of France. But there are a lot of sparkling wines with bubbles that have something in common with that and they range at different prices. And have you ever tried Prosecco? And then when the person says, I don't like dry wines, I don't know what Gary's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Prosecco it's is not usually not necessarily dry. dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty of uh, very expensive champagnes that are not dry. That's true, that's, too. There's another one. I didn't want to spend too much time on this one. I only buy 90-plus point wines. Right. And he doesn't like that because, you know, and, and he raises a good point. He says, does that mean you only go to movies to get five stars, et cetera? But the, the point being, somebody who, somebody who takes this attitude, they've already got enough education. They're being a wine snob yeah. on their own. I figure they get what they, they, yeah, they deserve. Yeah, yeah. And I, let's say we agree with him on this point, but uh, I, I think he's too kind, which is like, just don't talk. What are you? What are you? You are you the guy that says you don't need, you don't need me? Just here are the scores. Go it, pick your wines. Yeah, out. but it also sounds like it's also the same guy who answers that question about the screw craps. No, no, it doesn't. You know, so right. Uh, I want this because the label is pretty. Remember, Gary says the money they spent on a designer was money they didn't spend on the winemaking. That is a fault in the logic, I would say. It is, and I'm going to argue that for certain occasions, bringing a bottle with a pretty label is absolutely an appropriate thing to do. I would also argue if you like the label and it makes you like the wine, all the better. All the better. If it all tastes better. better to you because it's got a pretty label on it, buy two bottles. And if we, I were Gary, I'd be selling these people two bottles of the yeah, pretty that's wine right. instead and, of telling them that it, they shouldn't buy the wine because the label's pretty. It is clearly the, the two unrelated things. It is. In it other is, words, as I understand Gary's logic in this one, the more attractive the label, the less likely it is that you should buy the wine. That's true. And I wonder how many wineries would agree with that. There is true, or the because more every winery I've ever worked with has spent months, if not years, fixating on how to make their label as right. attractive as possible. Right, and whether it's quote unquote pretty or sophisticated, right, they would still be spending still be spending that money. Yeah, yeah, that one's yeah. All right, here's another one. Rieslings are too sweet. Dry Rieslings are literally some of the most profound wines on the planet. Seek them out without preconceptions. Okay, I'm with we are with him totally on here. We I agree 100% that dry rieslings are fabulous wines. Um but again, you have the opportunity to make this a little more uh, a little friendlier towards people and if they think rieslings are too sweet, sure you can try a dry but the, what he's really saying is I'd like to try dry wines and while you may have a dry riesling, there may be some other dry wines in the store that you might like. Well, and and we'll get back to the uh the point that, you know, it's more likely, especially for beginners, that the Rieslings that they've had are sort of the middle-level kind of supermarket Rieslings. Even that, really great German Rieslings oh, can be sweet. Well, this and, is what I'm saying is, but, but, you know, the person that comes in and says that often is because they've not had a whole lot of exposure. Right. So they may right. find some really spectacular Rieslings yep. that are sweet. But that person yep. that comes in is because, once again, lack of exposure, it, it's, not a, it's not a character flaw. No, but I'm actually kind of with Gary on this one. If someone who rejects a wine because they think it's sweet and there's a dry version of it that's good, try the dry version and then you'll know. And basically that's what he's saying. I'm okay with this one. I like this. Yeah, and the next one I, I just don't think anybody says. Pink wine is for girls. Oh, I've heard that said. Really? Yeah, I've heard oh, it said. I've also heard it said sexists, that pink friend. wine, <laughs> thank you very much, pink <laughs> wine is what my aunt used to drink huh? and or my mom used to drink. And so there's a perception of, of pink wine as being a style of wine that is outdated and unappealing to the current demographic. And there are great pink wines in the world, and Gary says that. So I think fair enough. 
What did Robert Parker rate it? His answer, wine critic Robert Parker is retired. Let's retire his ratings, too. This does not make you sound smart. Okay. So first of all, he didn't retire. And second of all, I don't think that person was trying to sound smart. But first of all, he <laughs> didn't retire. He's just not reviewing but, California. But if, again, my, my theory here is if this is someone who knows enough to know that Robert Parker is a famous wine critic, this is someone who you can say to them, you know what? You got a phone. Look it up on Parker's website. You can find out exactly what the rating is. And if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you. And if you want to know what I think of a wine, I'm happy to tell you about that, too. Well, uh, but I'm going to say, once again, go back to the initial premise, which is that a customer is allowed to ask a kind of question. And if that customer has user, used Robert Parker as a guide right. satisfactorily, satisfactorily, then fair find enough. Him a, find him a highway-rated wine, and maybe that guy is not trying to sound smart. Maybe right. that person is just looking for a wine they like. Right. Last one. I'm a serious wine drinker. I only drink red. Yeah, I always laugh about that myself. Yeah. So he says, cool, so you don't think Montrachet is a serious wine. Get out of my store. Get yeah. out of my store. Yeah, really? you know, that's just Gary being flipped. Yeah, but know. But uh, serious wine drinkers, I don't know very many serious wine drinkers, and I'm talking about world-class wine experts who don't drink all sorts of different kinds of wine. So you want to say that you prefer red wine and you prefer red wine over white? That's great. To say you're a serious wine drinker and you reject this kind, that kind, and the other kind of wine, that just makes you sound kind of... Um, what, what, do we, what do we say? Provincial. A well, little uneducated. Well, snobby. We'll say, we'll say it makes you sound snobby. Yeah. I, ha, I question how many people say I'm a serious wine drinker when they walk into a store. However, anyone who does, this case, I am completely with Gary. No, on but, and I do know people who say with great pride that they only drink red wine because that's what they do. And yeah. there, there's the implication that there is something superior. In fact, I, there's even a famous wine writer at one point who said the duty of every wine, first of all, is to be red. And mm. they're wrong. Uh, and I like it. it. The duty of every wine is to be delicious. However, you right. know, if a serious wine drinker drinks enough wine, he's not serious anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, right. speaking of not being serious, we are going to move along. Later in the show, we will talk about that story, how to not embarrass yourself talking about wine. Though here's and we're the, experts on that. Yeah. How to embarrass yourself talking about it. wine. Yeah, although here's a hint about that writer. He basically blames the victim. <laughs> this is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Next up, we'll take some questions. Stay with us. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it is time to take some questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And look for us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free. Little itty-bitty click. So if you're new to us and you want to know what qualifies us to be answering questions or criticizing major names in wine. Well, we get criticized a lot. We, we should be experts on we that. We totally understand getting slammed uh, from very smart people and from very dumb people, and usually they're right. <laughs> <laughs> However, Paul is a respected wine pro when he's not criticizing people. <laughs> <laughs> or being criticized, or being criticized by others. He answers questions on allexperts.com, teaches at Napa Valley College around the world. He, he knows his stuff, but he does not know enough to stay away from me. And Rick Cushman wrote uh, Barefoot Spirit, New York Times best-selling book on the, the Barefoot Wine Company. Longtime journalist, uh, commentator on the Capital Public Radio on wine, and occasional host of the Insight Show. So yeah, he, he, he at least knows enough to ask the right questions. That's true. In fact, I love, speaking of questions, our first question comes from Debbie in Sacramento. Cool. Debbie is uh, a friend of mine. 
and, mm-hmm. and asked that we didn't use her last name only because, uh, well, lots of people ask that. But, um, right, because, and because a lot of people associate with us prefer She does last... not want people to know that she's a friend of mine, and I cannot blame her. No, because she felt that this would be an embarrassing question. And the reason why she felt this would be an embarrassing question, because of these two stories that we're talking We've about. just done. Where people who don't know about wine are then made to feel small for not knowing made about wine. Made to feel stupid for asking. So how do you learn if you don't ask questions? Right. Uh, what Debbie says is whenever I go to buy wine, it's so overwhelming just in the supermarket. What do I do so it's not always so confusing when I just want a bottle of wine I'll like? That is a great and almost impossible to answer Yes, question. although my, I would say first thing you do is don't listen to all that gibberish about how not to talk. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and it, that's a – there's – you know, the um, – the really, really simple and it sounds almost stupid answer is the only place to start is to start. You know, taste. You know, taste a wine. Boy, have that's a, deep. Right? I, well, I am. I am an. Uh, it's a, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, in deep. All right. <laughs> I'm an existential kind of a guy. Um, you know, what I mean is, you know, if there's a wine, and you know, and you've got a, you've got an electronic tool or at least a technological tool to help, which is. If there's a wine you like or wine that your friends like or wine that you've tried or you've been somewhere and you run across across a wine that you like, take a picture of it. Yes. And now you have it. Yes. And it gives you a start. If, you own that You right. own that image. If you don't know, if you're in that giant store and you're just trying to get it, you know, if there's somebody around you can ask for help and say, I really know what I'm doing. I want a wine that seems to be popular. That's not a bad place to go as much as so many wine critics hate that because that popular wine is probably going to be at least a place to start. It gives you an, a, right. a, it gives you a starting point and a reference point. So, so your suggestion is good. Start with something you like and use that as a home base. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it sort of from the other end, but we're going to get to the same place, which is when you walk into that wall of wine at the supermarket, use your deductive reasoning, think Sherlock Holmes here, and start eliminating what you don't want. So if you have decided that you're pretty comfortable spending 10 bucks a bottle on wine, you can walk into that wine wall and right off the bat say, I ain't spending more than 10 bucks. Yep. Yep. Then you go in and say, red or white. Okay, now I'm looking for a white wine around 10 bucks. Then you can start narrowing it down in terms of what that photo you took and all the rest. Here's the fun part. A lot of wine shops do actually have the little descriptors and everything, and we make fun of these people and all the rest. But if you were to identify a wine you like and you found it on the shelf and it said fresh and fruity and lots of floral character, and whether it's 81 points or 97 points, whatever it is, those descriptors, it would actually be a good idea for you to, okay, think about those descriptors. And then if you want something different, Go find some other wines that have those same descriptors showing up. Chances are you're going to get something kind of similar, and you're on your way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the the problem, you know, uh, Debbie's probably not in a wine shop. She's more likely a supermarket in a supermarket, and so, where there is no. Well, some markets do, and, mm, and not more, very many. more, more and more. They're you know, it's not going to be the Safeway or the Lucky. Although often there's the person stocking the shelf, and and right. they know something about wine sometimes. Um, you know, often. Uh, I've I watched people. I've done this. We've talked about this before. It's going to get me arrested. Is I, I watch people, um, you know, staring and staring and staring. And, and I say, right. you know, I happen to know these wines. I'm, I'm right. in the business. Right. Is there something you know you're looking for? The the reverse is true. Is if you see somebody that seems to know what they're doing, and you say, look, I'm looking for a medium Chardonnay. I think I liked. 
is there what what do you like? You know, you might get a little bit of help. Yeah, frankly, you know what happened the time I, I was in I was in this uh, good. This super, is a funny story. I know the story. Good yes. wine, uh, good wine section of a supermarket in Napa, and I had just bought a whole bunch of wine for one of the classes I teach. And a woman came by, looked in my basket, which was full of wine bottles, and said, wow, that's quite a party you're having. And, of course, I didn't want her to think that I was drinking that much, so I very calmly said, no, it's actually for a class I teach at the college. Oh, you're a wine expert, she says. What should I drink? Right, which is a tough question, right? And, of course, yeah, you should drink what you like. So I said, well, what were you going to get? And she picked a wine that I think is a really good wine. She picked a St. Supery Sauvignon Blanc. I said, you know, it's a that really good wine. Yeah. And she absolutely distrusted my answer. She said, you're just saying that. You just want to get rid of me. And she became really kind of offended by the whole process. And I thought, okay, next time I'm just going to say, you're right. It's a killer party I'm throwing. Yeah, that's what that's, we're doing that's here. That's a can't. So, so, but to have get, we forgotten about Debbie We entirely? have. And so get back to it. Is it's, and then you kind of, the real answer is then you sort of go one by one. You do go one by one. And you slowly build a couple that you like. That you keep in your phone. Right. And you keep in your phone. And the other thing is if you run across wines you don't like, I also suggest keep taking pictures in your phone. In your phone. And I have rejiggered my answer to add the ones that you like, take horizontal. The ones ah. are vertical, up and down, normal. And the ones that you dislike, take horizontal, you, just in case you can't remember. Right. So the signal is simply how you took that picture. Yep. And it's a really yep. easy way. There's also a ton yep. of wine apps here. The downside to wine apps is they're not your taste. It's right. somebody else's taste. Right. But they do. some of them, like Delectable.com, have sort of a rating system where if you like this wine, you may like these other wines. Right. Um, the other thing I'd encourage Debbie to do is not always buy her wine at a supermarket. Yeah, once once not, or twice go to a, a place where there's well, somebody. Right. Well, that. And then the other thing is go out with a group of friends. Go to a local wine bar that has six wines by the glass and have w- each person in the group order a different glass, taste through them all, and when she finds one she likes, take a picture, write it down. Now she goes to the supermarket. She may have two or three other wines that she can look for that she likes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope that's a little bit of help. Um, we can do a whole show on that. Maybe we, maybe we should sometime too. Yeah. All right, our next comes from uh, Melinda in Lodi. She mm-hmm. said, I was at a small tasting with a very nice winemaker, and one of the wines was corked. Melinda is in Lodi. I suspect she might be in the business. Uh, mm. It was a small tasting, very nice winemaker. One of the wines was corked, and he didn't seem to notice. Yeah. And everyone else was having a good time. I didn't say anything. What's the etiquette? The etiquette is if he's providing the wines, she was correct in not saying anything. But she would also have been correct in pouring the glass out and saying thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. If the winemaker does, and, and bear in mind that this this um, this corked taint, this slightly mildewy smell that comes in wine, people have really wildly varying sensitivities to it. Right. So some people notice it much more easily than others. My guess is that Melinda is more sensitive than others. And so she picks it up and other people don't. And I think she can just say, thank you very much, move on. If the winemaker doesn't notice, it's pretty hard to turn to him and say, I think your wine is corked. Now, if he hadn't tasted it yet, and I've had this experience in a big wine tasting. In fact, it's a funny story. Do we have time for a funny story? Make it funny. I'm sitting there listening. (laughs) I'm sitting there listening to your classic wine snob go on and on describing the classic complexity that you find in the red wines of Graves in Bordeaux. (laughs) And he's going on and on, and his friend is sitting there nodding and smiling and taking notes and thinking, This is the smartest man I've ever met in my whole life. And I couldn't resist. He made the wine sound so fabulous. I went over. 
I held my glass out. I noticed that the winemaker had just opened a brand new bottle of it. And he'd poured the guy in front of me and he poured his friend and I was the third glass. And I took one whiff and this wine was terribly, terribly corked. And I said to the winemaker, I said, I, I whispered so the other guy didn't hear, I think it's corked. And the winemaker just smelled the bottle and said, oh, my God, grabbed my glass out of my hand, poured it out, rinsed it out, gave me a fr But in the meantime, the guy behind me still going on about that classic yeah. essence of the Grave Terroir. Yeah, yeah it wasn't, yeah, right, probably yeah. wasn't even Grave. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. I, I was, I was going to say, you know, if you are at somebody, especially if you're in the business or you just have a good nose on this kind of thing, um, it is always, no, it is never a bad idea if you're at some thing where they've got the wine on the bar and, is now you're not offending anybody. Right. Yes. All but right. if the winemaker's already opened it, he's tasted it, he says it's good, you just got to say thanks very much. Right. Well, speaking of offending anybody, um, that's what we've been doing. We'll do so a far. Bit, we will do much more of that in the second half of the show. We will be right back. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We are dancing with that music because yes, it are. means it is a horrible time ahead. It is time for our <laughs> truly, really horrible wine writing. Okay, I got one that I just love here, Rick. Okie dokie. The relative coolness of the site creates a floral buzz. It's tarry and intense, balanced much more towards its tannins. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. okay. So s somebody took out the thes thesaurus. They were looking for extra words. Well, and it's funny because, um, first of all, it says the relative coolness. Cool is a relative term. I would think, yeah. You know, I mean, it can be cool, it can be hot, but there's a whole story about, you know, putting your hands in two different bowls right. of water and one's mm -hmm. hot and one's cold. You don't need relative. And, it's and, just coolness. And relative to what? Relative to warmness. I guess. And then uh, a floral buzz. I know what that is. Do you? It's a bee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that. Because this next thing it says is the relative coolness of the site creates a floral buzz. Ne next comes an unrelated pronoun. Exactly it's. right. Yeah. Now, what is it? Is it the wine? The coolness or the buzz that the it is referring to. It's tarry. Or the site. Could be the site. Could be the site. Yeah, you're right. Could be the site. So it's tarry. So either the wine, the wine, the buzz, the coolness, or the site is tarry. Somebody's tarry. Intense. And and what I don't get is how a wine can be floral and tarry at yeah, the that's same time. Thing, that's right. a pretty yeah. hard combination yeah, yeah. to get. And then it's balanced more towards its tannins. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait I think minute. what they mean is it leans more towards yeah. their balance, but once you are, I'm mean, towards its tannins. Once you are leaning, you are not balanced. That's right. It's not a balanced. It's uh, it's you know, yeah, and you know, and none. And the thing is that in some ways, many of the none of these descriptions, maybe the intense part, but none of these descriptions actually connect to. No, any they other. don't connect to any of the others. And here's my question for you: What kind of wine do you think this is? I don't even know if it's red or white. Well, tannin, so I'm guessing some kind of it's red. It's got to be red, but that's all I can guess. Yeah. 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 So no okay. help there. Right? What do you have? Well, mine comes from a winery. It's one of those, oh, yeah, you know, they, is, they want us yeah. to buy their wine. Okay. Utilizing only the best fruit that highlights the most distinctive elements of each particular premium vineyard, we created, name of a wine removed so we won't get sued, <laughs> a handcrafted, multifaceted, yet balanced wine that celebrates the vintage place and time at our idyllic estate. 
That's perfect because you could use that for any wine. That is anywhere. If you if you went to the uh, dictionary of wine cliches <laughs> and pulled everyone, every out. single one of them is in it's there. In there, yes. Yeah. And the uh, it is, and and yet none of them actually says a single thing. Right. The best fruit. The, really the best distinctive wow. elements, the particular premium vineyard. Handcrafted. Yeah. You and got one of my favorites. Yeah, I know there. how much you love that one. Handcrafted. And multifaceted. Multifaceted. Yet balanced. Yeah. It celebrates the vintage. Oh, and the estate is idyllic. It is. Well, isn't every... Well, in, uh, except that there's one problem with this estate, which is that they think utilizing is a better word than using. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they worked harder to <laughs> utilize the fruit. They would just use it. It's, they didn't... Yeah. They just picked it up. Cheap. That is it. Oh, Ojo Ojo Ojo. Okay, you are listening to Ball Talk with Rick and Paul. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and subscribe for free. It's just one little click. We will try to embarrass the guy next who said, don't embarrass yourself uh, talking about wine. We will be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. So noble, so highfalutin. Thanks, guys. Yeah. You're great. It's, they are good. good. They work cheap, too. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> now, those trumpets do mean it is time for our historic history moment of the week. Paul, what do you have? Well, you know, the thing that cost the most money in the ancient world was transport. So the ancient Romans had a great system for doing this. They, they would actually take the wine. They didn't have light rail or barter. They did not have, they did not have airplanes. Cow, Everything yeah. was sailed in ships that sank too often. Yeah. So space was at a premium. What do you do when you don't have enough room in the ship for all the wine you want to take to Rome? Throw, throw overboard your crew? No, although yeah. that would be an interesting... I'm not sure how you'd sail the ship then, yeah, right? Yeah, right. There's a problem with that. Problem. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. They, boiled, <laughs> Drink the wine. Yeah. they boiled yeah. the wine until most of it evaporated. So they're boiling up the water. And the alcohol. And the alcohol. Oh, right. Okay, alcohol would actually boil out first, wouldn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. So they're boiling it down to about a third of its volume, shipping it across the ocean, and then when it gets to Rome on the other side, they add the water, not alcohol, back in, and they would drink it. So they were making uh, low-alcohol wine? They were making de-alcoholized wines, mm. but at the same time, it's a really fascinating thing to see what this does to wine because here, here's the question. Which wine do you think would taste better after you boiled it down and then rehydrated? A sweet wine or a dry wine, Rick? Oh, I'm picking a sweet wine. Oh, by a long shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the acidity in wine is pretty high. Right. I mean, right. the acidity of wine is kind of like lemon juice. Well, boil a red wine down to 30% of its volume and drink it, and boy, will you be astonished at how tart, acidic, sharp, harsh it is. Boil a sweet wine down, and it really becomes quite intense. And oh, sure, you've got all that sugar. It's yeah, like a, yeah, you're ready to have yeah. a party. Which uh, goes to show, oh, there's many reasons for this. We've talked about this in the past, but in, in ancient times, how sweet wines were of yes. such high value. Yeah, yeah, here's absolutely. One, here's one more reason. Yeah. So what do you have in terms of the, the boys and the trumpets? Well, well, you know, it's, uh, as long as we're talking Romans, and this is not a, a particularly bright spot in Roman history, although I'm not sure boiling wine was either. It's not <laughs> a particularly bright spot on human history either. Yes. Early Roman women were forbidden to drink wine. Yes. And a husband who found his wife drinking was at liberty to kill her. Divorce actually on, was uh, allowed on the same grounds. was last recorded in Rome in 194 B.C. Yeah, you know, in fact, there's an old saying in, in ancient Rome that the only time a man would kiss his wife was to see if she had been drinking wine. And if she had, yeah, bad, bad, bad thing. So 
Well, here's another example of, wh- of when it was not a good time and place to be a woman, which is most of hi- world history. <laughs> most of world history. It doesn't, also, it doesn't sound like much of a fun time to be a Roman man either, though. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I don't know. That's right. So I wonder what the Romans did to somebody who embarrassed themselves. That's with air quotes again, talking about wine. Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe they locked him in a room with only water or re- or unhydrated wine. Unhydrated red wine, That's yeah. right. Um, all right. Well, the, uh, speaking of embarrassing themselves, this is the other thrillist story we were talking about, right. which this one is say how to not embarrass yourself. Talking about it, the writer is a guy named Jonathan Cristaldi. He's a deputy editor of Psalm Journal. Yep. He had a couple good things to say in there, and some they included things like don't be a great racist, don't hate white or red. We like that. Quit, yeah. Quit hating on Merlot. Good. Don't yeah. fear the wineless. Good. Uh, and although this is what he said about that. He said, yeah, he's way better dressed than you, like that matters. But it comes with the prestige of his role at the fancy restaurant where he works and where you are the dining customer. Don't be afraid to ask questions. His job is to offer helpful information. Okay. This, this guy so, sounds good. I'm all in favor. And I actually know Jonathan. He's a decent, he's a decent guy. And yeah, he, he runs well, a wine academy in Napa. Pretty nice guy. So he's done a couple things right. But yep. he makes it your responsibility to suck up to wine snobs. He oh. goes on to say... Okay. Try to ingratiate yourself with the psalm. I'm adding with the psalm. Try to ingratiate ingratiate yourself with something like, I'm not familiar with many of these selections, but we really like white wine. Okay, so that's the first thing. It's not your job to get the psalm to like you. The psalm's job is to make you have a good time and help you find something that you want to drink. But what you're disagreeing with on this point is not what he says to say. It's why he says to say it. Right. Because what he says is, I'm not familiar with any of these uh, selections, but we really like white wines. That's a good thing to say to a sommelier. Yes. I agree. To say you're doing that because you want to ingratiate yourself, to put yourself in the good graces of the sommelier. No, 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 no. You're a customer. You're already in the good graces. Yeah, you're paying. If you're not in the good graces of the sommelier when you walk in the door... You need to find a new restaurant. Somebody is paying the sommelier to, to be nice to you. To be grace, gracious to you. Right. That's it's right. not the other way around. Okay. All right. And once again, I, this is my beef with Thrillist, not the writer. This is their introduction. While your vino knowledge may be lacking, read up on these scenarios to save yourself from being pigeonholed as a wine Philistine. Dear Lord. Okay. So why are we using the word vino there? Because they're cool. Oh, are they cool? Yeah, because they're being cool. And, oh, and, and who I cares? <laughs> so you're going to get pigeonholed as a wine philistine? Oh, really? At what? least once in my life, what? Rick, what? I would like to be pigeonholed as a wine what philistine. What is this, Rome? Just, just <laughs> so I could say, dear God, I'm being pigeonholed <laughs> as a wine philistine. Is, oh, who cares? That's our issue is who cares? Nobody's, get a life. Yeah. All right, so here's a couple of things that he says not to say. Don't say you'll just drink anything. I'm quoting his the story. Don't say you'll just drink anything, whether you're at a bar, restaurant, or house party. If someone asks what wine you're in the mood for, don't say that it doesn't matter and that you'll drink anything. It's good to have an opinion. And here's in in my uh, I'm added italics because it shows confidence. I didn't see the, I don't see the italics in your voice there, Rick. Because it shows confidence. Ah, there we are. Because, okay. because it, shows confidence. it shows confidence. Because that's the because dumbest the thing most ever. Important thing because you who can do cares if you're confident? <laughs> How about you know what? I'm a, just surprise me. I have said that surprise at many a bar. Surprise me is a great. Line. I have said that at many of a bar. What what are you yes. pouring? I don't know. What are you pouring? I've said that with beer. I've said that with cocktails. I've said that with wine. Yes. Why? What is wrong with being you know, not being in a mood? Yes. Well, Rick, you're not very confident. That's the problem. Well, that's, prob- that's probably true. 
That's probably okay. two. Okay. That was one of them. Another one, he says, don't guess on the grapes. And there's a little transition, but he's talking about being in a tasting room. The next time you're asked, don't embarrass yourself by confusing Pinot Noir, red wine, for Pinot Grigio, white wine. Rather, turn the tables and ask your own question. Can you guess how much money I'm going to spend here? Now, okay. okay I, that's I mean on both ends. Yeah, but I agree with this. If Except, he's in a tasting room and the tasting room staff is pouring him a wine and saying, okay, let's see if you can guess the grape. I'm saying uh, there's a problem with okay, the tasting but, room but here. Okay, but here's the thing. And I agree. If, has if that I were, ever happened? It has never happened to me. Or but me. But I've only been in the business for 35 yeah, years. Yeah, and I've only been in like 5,000 tasting so, rooms. So fair enough. <laughs> if I'm in a tasting room and somebody says, can that you guess the That one tasting room on the planet? I like his answer. Can well, you guess how much money I'm going to spend? Because well, you know what? I'll bet the answer to the second question but, is zero. Okay, but what he's actually saying, first off, um, I have actually been in a couple of tasting rooms where they have some blend. Right, um, and they and they and and very playfully say, "Can you guess all the grapes?" It's usually a field blend. Right, we don't need it. We'll get right. into that another Bunch time. Of, yeah, yeah, but they're having fun. See if you right. can guess them. I was at one place where they say, "Your your 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 tasting is free if you, if you can if, name a few." And then right. they actually the couple next to me could not, but he gave them the free tasting anyway. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, it was, it was really char- it was okay. charming. So, but okay. what he's saying is like, don't. I mean. He's sort of right, but don't try to prove your knowledge. But what he says is don't embarrass yourself by right. guessing. Right. Eh, why not? Why? Yeah. yeah we, it, we, so being wrong? We, we embarrass ourselves every day. And we guess wrong constantly <laughs> yes, on everything, including the grape. Good. Okay. All right. Here's another one. Remember that Bordeaux is not a grape. If you've ever heard someone say Bordeaux is my favorite grape, you've probably seen every wine around them wince. You can mention any one of the five grapes as your favorite and avoid confusing a critical wine-growing region with a fruit. Us, okay. we say, yeah, really? So what? So you didn't know. How are you supposed to know if somebody didn't tell you? Right. And it is true that a, a large number of American wine consumers think that Rioja is a grape. Yeah. And fair yeah. enough. It is, is, you know, so it's, it's not. It's a region. It doesn't matter. If you say, if you just leave, if you change the last word from grape to wine, you're in, you're golden. Yeah, and there's Bordeaux a, is my favorite wine. Rioja is my favorite wine, and you're golden. Yeah, and and this is this is you know my point again. But, but I said earlier about blaming the victim. He's blaming somebody for not knowing. Right. You know, okay, you don't How know. Learn. Doesn't make you a bad person. You should not be embarrassed by having a by not having every bit right. of information. Nobody has has achieved any success at all in the wine business without making a complete fool of themselves a number of times. I, and, I, and Rick, you've made a complete and fool of yourself. And I'm not even a success. And you're right. not even a success. <laughs> exactly you're right. You're ahead of me on that one. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to skip the next one. He also says he has some snippy stuff about the don't say you prefer dry reds. Right. Eyes Wait, roll immediately. Okay. Actually, he's backwards. He's the opposite of Gary on this one. And he says, right. don't say you prefer dry reds. Uh, because every red is dry. Well, really? So he has it's not seen uh, not red velvet a, and an apothic red and all those all those hundreds of wines. Big in new category of sweet red wine. Right. That's right. Right. And and so that actually is worse thing. Uh, this is another one that is the same uh, blaming the victim. Know your champagnes versus sparkling wines. Yeah. See, this. You know what? This is this is a legal issue. Okay. That's true. This is not actually an education issue. This is a legal issue. There is a legal definition for champagne. Now, if you want to talk in legalities, Lord save you in the rest of your life if everything you say has to be legally correct and accurate. You know, champagne, according to the USTTB, which is the official organization that supervises this stuff, they have agreed that champagne is a generic term for all sparkling wines. The European Union does not accept that definition. The French 
people who make champagne, the wine in champagne, hate the idea that the TTB allows Americans to use champagne for sparkling. But you know what? This is an international legal dispute. There are voices on both sides of it. And stop making this seem like it has something to do with whether you're going to have a good time or not. Yes. And, and whether you know that information or not, whether you know that champagne is, in theory, only supposed to be from that region, according right. to the French, it doesn't. It's not an embarrassing moment. It's no. just you boy. Know, there if are so knows, many more embarrassing moments yes. you and I have lived through like, than like, that one. Yeah, that's true. Like the, the time you were taking. <laughs> I remember the time. Off. That, well, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not going that way. All right, uh, and another one. And I disagree with this entirely. Although uh, you, I, I can sort of see where he's coming from, but don't announce an arbitrary price limit. Mm. He says, "Why discussing the price? Why don't say I won't spend more than twenty dollars on a bottle?" What he means in that case is he's right. That's that sort of snobby. You know, I shouldn't have to spend money on wine. But at various points in your life, whether it's at dinner or hey, at a that's shop. that's what you can afford, that's yeah. what you can afford. It's, right. And uh, I agree with him. Don't announce an arbitrary price limit. But if you've got a price limit beyond which you can't pay, don't go into a wine shop with a $20 bill and say, I'm looking for something or, you know, and the guy shows you a $24 bottle and you got to say, that's great, but I can't afford it. Yeah, I mean, I could, I don't think he intends it this way, but that is a, that is the, the worst snobby classicist, classic, class, classy. No, all, you know, classic. Boy, you're good at this. It's, you should be on the radio. When class is a bad thing, <laughs> using class to, to, to make, to be prejudiced via class. That's, the right. worst Classist. version of prejudice via class is is that so that somebody doesn't want to spend two hundred dollars for a bottle of wine. I'm sorry, there's lots of people that don't, and sometimes the price does twenty five. And if you got right? twenty dollars, you know, it's Lee Trevino's great line about pressure on a putt is not when you're trying to win a championship. Pressure on a putt is when you the We're trying to win, right. You've got twenty dollar bet riding on it, and, and you've you, only got a ten dollar bill in your pocket. That's true. Yeah. Well, speaking of no class. Uh, we are going to continue Here we are. on. <laughs> You've got us. We're not going away. And we are, when we come right back, we are going to answer a few more questions from our listeners. Next week, that could be you. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We're going back to our mailbag. And if you'd like to be one of those people that ask us a question, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word. Rick and Paul Wine. And by the way, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes and you can even subscribe for free, for free, one little itty bitty clip. Mm -hmm. Although if you'd like to send us vast amounts of money, that no, would work. Take that. that would work. And we will, uh, we, will not, uh, we will not criticize anyone for the small or vast amount of money. That, that, if they can only give, send us $20, that's okay. We're with you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a good one. This is from Albert in Susanville up there in the High Sierra. Okay, oh, actually, beautiful area. Yeah. How come wine lists almost never tell you what the wine tastes like or what grapes are in them? We had dinner in a great restaurant, but we didn't know anything about any of the wines, and the server was only a little bit of help. I this is that's a good question. Yeah, I and, mean, it, and and that's a question I would take straight to the owner of the restaurant and say, Ricky or Lucy, you got some explaining <laughs> to do. <laughs> Because if they don't tell you what it tastes like and you got a bunch of wines that nobody's ever heard of, how is anybody supposed to guess what they'll like? And then when it turns out the server doesn't know anything either, what are you doing here? Yeah. 
That's just a bad restaurant. That is that's bad training. It's bad. But and you know that is the thing. We um, we did a uh, uh, a piece or talked about a book a few. It was maybe a couple months ago now. But it was mm. the guy talking about the that the, the more the more explanation in the menu the, is generally the less expensive the restaurant. Right. And where the very expensive restaurant says chicken, chicken, endive, olives, and that's it. You don't even know how to cook <laughs> chicken's cooked. And you know, and the problem is, is that. So many uh, wine folks take that same approach to the wine, right? Where it'll be, especially if it's a European wine or, or right. a non-American wine, wine from yep. someplace with a different language and a different way of writing the words, the words in there. Right. People don't know what they are, yeah. and it, you and know, you know, there's there's an easy solution to this that doesn't get into asking the restaurant to say this wine has delicate nuances of Charente melon. And it's simply that you divide your wine list up based on what the wines taste like. So you have big, rich red wines. You have bright white wines. You have aromatic white wines. You have big, rich uh, Chardonnays. You have bubbly wines. You have sweet wines. You have them in these sort of categories where people can just start and dive into that. Right, um, right. They've got a way of understanding what the heck you're talking about. Right, right. And that, and that, or if you've got to go back about the Bordeaux thing. Right. If it is a Bordeaux, and you know the blend, it what does it hurt? What does it hurt to say? You know, forty-two percent Cabernet, seven percent Merlot, eight percent Cab Franc, whatever that is. That doesn't even add to yeah, 100. Although but, my, my, yeah, that would be a good one. You come <laughs> works out to be one hundred and thirty-two percent. This is yeah, value for your that money. Is, that is my. This is absolutely my my next uh, uh, way of, of putting together a, a wine list is um, uh, that. <laughs> you know, it's gonna add, it's gonna wine's gonna add up to like 130 add up or 62. Even that, I disagree with a little bit because I think you know if somebody orders a Bordeaux, if they know what if they know Bordeaux is a blend of these grapes, they're not really gonna care whether it's 68 percent. Yeah, or but 15. I'm just saying it gives you a way to put what uh, grapes are in there. Yeah, but see, that's I just what like, I'm saying. I, you know, or you and, can just and, put the grapes in and not have the percentage. And there are there are some fairly fairly high profile wine people in the U.S. market who have suggested different ways of breaking wine lists up so that consumers can understand right. them better. All by wine style and flavor sure. type, rather sure. than just listing the name of the wine. But even but e- Albert, even then, there needs to be with, especially with wines that that people don't know. Right, you gotta tell them what's in there or something about the wine. Eh, maybe, maybe you just tell them, you know, these are big, dry red wines. Here's one from Italy. Here's one from France. Here's one from sure. Spain. Which sure, one do you want to try? Uh, okay, I think you can do I, that. I, I can. I'll give you that. But the, the if it doesn't say it on the list, the staff ought to be able to help those people navigate them into a bottle of wine they like. Yeah. Or the restaurant ought to be able to say, order whatever you want, and if you don't like it, we'll bring you another bottle. And if you don't like that, we'll bring you another bottle. And if you don't like that, we'll bring you another bottle. <laughs> there you go. That sounds like a fun dinner, actually. <laughs> I, like, I like that restaurant. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one is from Nadia Chen in Danville. Mm-hmm. She said, a friend gave us some really nice wine glasses, but she said we shouldn't use soap when we wash them. What is that about? Oh, yeah. We'll see. A wine glass is like an omelet pan, Rick is you never wash it because if you wash it, you scrape the coating off. So you're seasoning your wine glass. That's right. And so the the (laughs) omelet would stick to the omelet pan. And if you do that with your wine glass, the wine will stick to your wine glass. So you just leave that thin film of old wine in your glass at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's actually... 
I wash my omelet pan on my own <laughs> yeah. And just just for those of you who may think we're serious, that is not what you do with a wine no. glass. <laughs> In fact, wine glasses, that what she's saying, it's okay to use soap on your wine glass. What is really critical is that you rinse all the soap out totally and completely because if there is a little soap left in the wine glass and you pour wine into it, it will really make the wine taste much less attractive. Yeah, there's the super purist that uh, that does that thing where you know our, our wine glasses are so good that we can't um, wash them and we but wash them in hot water uh, and yeah. often with a little citric acid or yeah. something. Yeah, and that that's actually if that works. Eh, I mean, here, here's the good news by the way that um, you know wine kills most germs. So you're, you're That's right. So I, you're I like safe. the cured wine glass, you know. Give me a glass that's yeah, 30 yeah. or 40 glasses of wine yes. pass through well, it in what, and out. Well, what I do is I make an omelet with my wine glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I try to just remember, add If you want to make omelets, Rick, you got to break a bunch of eggs. <laughs> that's it's probably true. Um, yeah, it's right. Uh, so I have I have I have one more, and it is from Michael in Los Gatos. Cool. And he says I keep hearing that alcohol levels are getting higher. Is that because of climate change or the choices that wineries are making? And well, yes, it, yes to both of those. It's, um, that's first, a really complicated question. It's a complicated and, question, and but about we'll a make minute. it simple. Yes, we'll make it simple. First of all, the reason alcohol is high in wine is because the grapes are initially very ripe. Remember that alcohol is the result of the yeast turning the sugar, which is very, and the more riper the grape is, the higher the sugar, into alcohol. So the riper the grape, the higher the sugar, the higher the alcohol level. So two questions. Are temperatures getting warmer, which means grapes are getting riper? Yes. Are winemakers waiting until the very last minute before they pick to get full ripe flavors? Yes. The answer to your question, Michael, is yes. Yes. It's both. It is both. And that's something we should talk about at a greater length in another time as soon as we figure out what it is we want to say about. All right. That is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Bassini. Thank, Thank you, you Matt. Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer and that we can answer or not answer, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. Look for us on iTunes and subscribe to us. Uh, it's free. Little bitty click. If you learned anything today, we hope it's this. The only way you can embarrass yourself talking about wine is to tell people how to not embarrass themselves. Or they could quote us. Yeah, that'll do it. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> I'm Paul Wagner. Now remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. <laughs> <laughs>